0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 7, verses 14 through 24, called First Blood.
1: First Blood, we are going through the plagues of the book of Exodus, we have come to the very first plague, first blood. That will sound familiar to some of you. It was a movie uh, back in the early 80s, Sylvester Stallone. Uh, he was a drifter, ex-Green Beret. And he came into this small town. And those of you who've seen the movie before, you know he was harassed by the sheriff. Brian Dennehy played the sheriff. And uh, he just didn't like the way Sylvester looked. And uh, Kind of harassed him, tried to push him out of town, and uh, it got ugly. And uh, Sylvester wins in the movie. And he does say, They drew first blood. (laughs) Now, that movie has very little to do with our message, but (laughs) I thought it was worth mentioning since it is the title. But the first plague that does uh, come against Egypt is a plague of blood. Literally, not just the Nile River. Is turned to blood, but all of the things that hold water within Egypt turn to blood. And I want you to think for a moment if you were living in Egypt, let's just take it to modern times, and imagine that you were hearing something about this God of Israel judging the land. And imagine that you went to uh, fill up a cup of water from your dispenser and it was blood. And imagine that you walked out to take a morning swim in your swimming pool and it was blood that's actually what happened in Egypt. All of their water was turned to blood. And the big idea of the text that we need to see, even though I know this idea might gross you out a little bit, is that the Pharaoh had spilled the blood of the Israelites. In fact, he had, in chapter one, way back, if you were with us, we know the Pharaoh of that time asked the Hebrew midwives to kill all the baby boys the moment that they were born. And that was tragic, but the midwives did not comply. Remember, they refused. And then the Pharaoh spread the edict out, and he said, now I want all of my people to do this. Every uh, baby boy that's born, you are to throw, remember, into what? Into the Nile River. And the Bible doesn't give us a lot of detail on what actually happened, but we would assume that many of the Hebrew male babies did die in the river. And remember that the Nile River was seen as a god, one of many gods to the Egyptians. They they documented about at least 80 deities and the names of those deities worshipped by the Egyptians. And the first few plagues have to do with the Nile River and what, how they saw that. Then there's going to be plagues on land gods, uh, gods connected to the land. And I'm talking about gods with a small g, false gods. And then gods connected to the sky. And an important verse for you just to note, if you haven't done this already, is Exodus 12.12. 12. Where God says that his judgments, his plagues, were literally executions against the gods of Egypt. So, Egypt is a picture of a world swimming in idolatry. They had a God for just about everything, they feared these gods. Remember when we looked at the serpent, uh, the staff turning into the serpent last week? The Pharaoh wore a cobra on his headdress. And uh, what was the other bird of prey? The vulture. And he had that on his headdress. And what they feared, they often worshipped. But the Nile was seen really as one of their main gods. And people who would travel to Egypt would say that without the Nile River, Egypt would just be a barren desert. It would really have nothing. So they were so serious about their worship of the Nile that they sang songs to the Nile River. And when the Pharaoh goes out and Moses meets him at this first uh, plague encounter, it may well be that the Pharaoh is going out to sing a morning hymn to the river. And there's a little speculation as to what he was actually going to do. But there are several morning meetings that take place between uh, Moses and Aaron and the Pharaoh. And uh, this one is going to be at the Nile River. It's called First Blood. This is Exodus 7, verse 14. The Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is stubborn If you have an ESV, Exodus 7.14, his heart is hardened. If you have a New King James, his heart is hard. And the NIV says his heart is unyielding. He refuses to let the people go. Now, the Pharaoh is described as heavy-hearted, literally. The Hebrew word is kalbeid, and it means literally to be heavy to be severe, difficult. It even has the implication of being stupid or slow, thick or heavy. It has the additional connotation of being burdened. And the Pharaoh was a worshiper of idols, and this is what idols will do in your life. They will add burdens to your life. So what the Egyptians worshipped they also feared. And those idols became burdens to them. And if you follow uh, the pantheon of gods through Greek culture, Roman culture, Egyptian culture, Assyrian culture, Babylon, these idols were what they feared, largely, and they tried to appease these gods for, for example, fertility blessings. So they had several gods tied to the Nile. Osiris was one of those gods. And Osiris was supposed to have the Nile uh, going through uh, the bloodstream of this god. There was also a connection to this god called Hopi or Happy, H-A-P-I. And this was the main god that was worshipped, connected to the Nile. And Hopi or Happy was known as the god of the flood. And this god was depicted as a bearded man with female breasts and a pregnant stomach. And this is the way the ancients often depicted their gods. And they saw happy or Happy as a fertility god who would give them blessings connected to the Nile River. This may be why the pharaoh requested that the baby boys be thrown into the river as a way to say to the God of the Nile, namely, happy or hoppy, we are are, uh, sacrificing babies to you in exchange for blessings to us. And the modern parallel is not hard to connect. Because in today's world, we abort babies at an alarming rate and we do it for the most part in the name of convenience. And I'm not here to condemn anybody. I'm just here to tell you the facts. The facts are that it is a blight and a stain to any nation. And that includes the United States of America. And so Pharaoh's heart was hard. And God had said to Moses, I know that the king of Egypt, Exodus 3, 19 and 20, just to remind you of a couple of foundational verses, if you want to take a peek back I know that the king of Egypt, Exodus 3.19, will not permit you to go except under compulsion. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt. The word strike is where we get the idea of the plagues with all my miracles, which I shall do in the midst of it, And after that, he will let you go, Exodus 3, 19 and 20. If you're interested, the word plague comes from a Latin word, plaga, P-L-A-G-A, and it means a blow or a wound. The Hebrew words for the plagues here are more like miracles and signs, but the Latin word uh, gives us the idea. They were literally strikes against the Egyptian gods and goddesses. This is a quote, there were about... Uh, 80 major deities in Egypt all clustered around three great forces of Egyptian life, the Nile River, the land and the sky. The first two plagues were against the gods of the Nile, the next four against the land gods, and the final four against the gods of the sky, culminating in the death of the firstborn, close quote. In Exodus 7:3 another foundational verse it says I will harden Pharaoh's heart that I may multiply my signs and my wonders, another idea of the plagues, in the land of Egypt. Uh, Pharaoh's heart is hard. God has a part in that, and that is to magnify himself. Whenever someone is hard-hearted, they are closed to the word of God. Uh, Jesus told the parable of the sower of the soils, and you might connect the idea there. Some of the seed falls on hard-packed ground, and it sits on the ground. It doesn't penetrate. And so the birds come and pick it off. And that's one of Jesus's illustrations of how the word of God hits different soils. The sower sows the seed, but some of it hits the hard packed ground or a rocky soil, etc., And it doesn't penetrate. Or if it does, it only grows up for a short time and then it's cut off or choked off by the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of the world. Etc., and it does not bear fruit. And here's the Pharaoh, and he's hearing literally the word of God let my people go, but he won't listen. His heart is hard. And it is interesting to think about the fact that the word of God can go out and it can hit soft soil and it can produce 30, 60, 100-fold blessing fruit, if you will. And then it hits other hearts, and someone seems to have a deflector shield around them. Every time, you can't even go there with some people, right? I don't want to talk about it! I don't talk about I remember I was in a, I was in a hot tub. Uh, it was at the gym. And uh, it was in the men's locker room. So, clarification. Anyway. I was in the hot tub. Anyway, that'll remind you of a song way back in the day. But uh, I was witnessing to this guy, and he had a cross necklace on. And so I said, hey, why do you wear the cross? Uh, do you know what that means? And he goes, oh, I don't want to talk about it. I said, you don't you want you to talk about it? He said, I don't talk about politics. I don't talk about religion. That's pretty much how he said it. And I don't talk about sports. And I said... If those three categories were applied to my life, I'd never talk again. (laughs) It's pretty much all I know. (laughs) Anyway, I said to the man, I decided to talk about it. I said, sir, Jesus told us to talk about it wherever we go
2: you will hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. We are in the holiday season. Families and friends will soon be preparing for a Thanksgiving feast with football playing in the background. Friends will gather around the table for delicious turkey, complete with stuffing, cranberry sauce, creamed corn, and mashed potatoes. Don't forget about the sweet pumpkin pie. You express your thankfulness for your family, friends, church, your hobby, work, and everything the Lord provides. And after all the conversation and fun games, a food coma will follow. Thanksgiving is truly a wonderful day. We appreciate you spreading the word about our program and praying for our ministry. We are forever thankful to our Walk In Truth Financial partners too. The Lord is using you to help keep this broadcast and podcast reaching people daily on this radio station and around the world. Pastor Michael Lance and the team here at Walk in Truth are sincerely grateful you are listening to this broadcast, and we hope you have a happy and blessed Thanksgiving.
0: We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth.
1: The cares of the world. Etc. And it does not bear fruit. And here's the Pharaoh and he's hearing literally the word of God. Let my people go, but he won't listen. His heart is hard. And it is interesting to think about the fact that the word of God can go out and it can hit soft soil and It can produce 30, 60, 100-fold blessing fruit, if you will. And then it hits other hearts, and someone seems to have a deflector shield around them. And every time, you can't even go there with some people, right? I don't want to talk about it! I don't talk about it! I remember I was in a a hot tub. Uh, It was at the gym. And uh, it was in the men's locker room. So, clarification. Anyway... I was in the hot tub. Anyway, that'll remind you of a song way back in the day. But uh, I was witnessing to this guy, and he had a cross necklace on. And so I said, hey, why do you wear the cross? Uh, Do you know what that means? And he goes, oh, I don't want to talk about it. I said, you don't want to talk about it? He said, I don't talk about politics. I don't talk about religion. That's pretty much how he said it. And I don't talk about sports. And I said... If those three categories were applied to my life, I'd never talk again. <laughs> it's pretty much all I know. <laughs> anyway, I said to the man, <laughs> I decided to talk about it. I said, Sir, Jesus told us to talk about it wherever we go. Yeah. So why do you wear that cross? I don't want to talk about it. Oh, all right, we're in a hot tub. all right I, I get it. The Nile was so essential to life and prosperity of Egypt it was personified as the god called happy or happy. Egyptians had religious celebrations at the beginning of the annual flooding of the Nile. One text discovered by archaeologists contains praises and adoration of the Nile for the blessing it provided. I mentioned to you the God Hopi as he was depicted. Hopi was the giver of life, in quotes, the Lord of sustenance, the one who causes the whole land to live through his provisions. The Egyptians even sang songs of gratitude to this particular God. And whenever I uh, hear these songs or see them, it kind of makes me cringe to hear that people were singing to a river But I guess it shouldn't surprise us that this is what people do. And this is what the Egyptians did. They had all these different gods, but this particular god of the Nile was important. And so Moses is told, go to the Pharaoh in the morning as he is going out to the water or to the river. And station yourself to meet him on the bank of the Nile. You shall take in your hand the staff that was turned into a serpent. Now, so far, what we have is directions from God to Moses. I want you to station yourself. You're going to go to the Nile. Everything to, it meant everything to the Egyptians. I want you to position yourself uh, next to this lifeblood of their nation, and I want you to meet the Pharaoh as he is going out to the water. Just to give you an example of a song they would sing, an Egyptian hymn dug up, it says, Hail to thee, O Nile, that issues from the earth and keeps Egypt alive. And there are some people that think that the pharaoh was going to bathe at the Nile. And in uh, Exodus 2.5, some of you will recall that the princess who discovers Moses in the basket went to the Nile to bathe. Uh, they say that the ancients didn't really swim. There wasn't a whole lot of people that were trained in swimming. So it's unlikely that the Pharaoh's going to swim. Uh, it's probably unlikely that he's going to bathe, although his bath could also be seen as a religious rite. He may have been going down to the river to bless the waters or to sing a hymn to the river and thank the river. Some people say, if you want to just get practical, he may have been checking the level of the river. I'm not sure why he would do that, but that's some of the speculation. But scholars say that if you see it from a religious perspective, and I think this is the way you need to see it, when the pharaoh would go into the water, he believed he was getting power from the river. You see, people believed that the Pharaoh was divine and his power source was the gods of Egypt. So when he went into the river, it was a form of, if you will, and I'll put this in quotes, baptism. He would go into the Nile to receive power from the gods represented by the Nile. And he would say whatever he would say. Maybe he would sing a hymn, Remember, he was seen kind of as the high priest of Egypt. So he was the political and religious head of their nation. And so he was deified in their eyes. And he would go down there and do what he would do some sort of religious ceremony. And the Lord says, Moses, I want you to go and I want you to meet him there as he goes for his morning worship. That's what I think is going on. He would go there to bathe, to be empowered. And he went there in the morning. And I will just say to you as a Christian, you need to learn to meet your Lord in the morning. Amen? Amen. Now, I know there's a lot of things that come at us, and a lot of you have crazy schedules, and I know there's a lot of demands that come your way. But I would just say to you, and I've discovered this in my own life, if I can just open the Word of God in the morning and just get a little bit of Bible into me, even if it's just a few verses, it makes all the difference in the world. And what I do is I just open my Bible. Right now I'm going through Psalm 119. And I take a highlighter and a pen and I say, Here I am, Lord. I need you. Fill me with your word. And I could spend five minutes. I could spend a half an hour. I think what really matters is that you meet God in the morning. Amen? Yes. Kind of sets the, the whole tone of your day. You've noticed when you come in here, I was sharing with Shane in the back. Uh, there's a uh, an account in second kings chapter three where elisha is approached by three kings and they're about to have war with the moabites and they ask elisha to pray and at first he doesn't want to but he he agrees and when he's about to prophesy he calls for a minstrel this is second kings three fifteen. this is a side note he calls for a guitar player And he says, I want the guitar player to play and then I will prophesy. And there is something that happens when you worship God in song with other brethren. The spirit of the Lord. Amen? You guys feel what I'm saying? The spirit of the Lord starts to minister. He inhabits the praises of his people. Something happens. Shane said it in his prayer. Something lifts from my life. My burdens lift and my focus becomes him. Don't miss the music time. It's really important. And so I say that because there's the Pharaoh going to worship his pagan God in the morning. Many scriptures I could share, to you, share with you, but here's one. Psalm 5.3 says, In the morning, O Lord, Psalm 5.3, thou will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. In the morning, when I rise, give me Jesus because if I don't do that look I know there's so much going on right now and I am tempted just like all of you to worry about the yesterdays and the tomorrows but I don't I don't have control of any of it all I got according to Jesus is today Jesus said don't worry about tomorrow today has got enough issues (laughs) amen just live today wrap your life in prayer and the word of God and go out in mission. You must be connected apart from him. You can do nothing. nothing. I keep trying to have the Lord prove that to me. If you're like me, I I have to have it proved over and over again. Anybody else like me? In the morning when I rise, Well, Moses is told, I want you to go position yourself and you meet this man. You meet the leader, probably the most powerful leader on the planet. You meet him in the morning.
0: You've been listening to First Blood, part one on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter seven, verses 14 through 24. Hey, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free living truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, our Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. You can learn more about Living Truth Christian Fellowship, the church behind Walk in Truth, where Pastor Michael serves as senior pastor. If you're local to Southern California, the app gives you updates and information about upcoming Bible studies, free events and services, both for you and your kids, like our annual Harvest Festival coming later this month. If you live outside of Southern California, you can still benefit from the Living Truth app. You can listen or watch Pastor Michael's previous teachings, and you can contact the church if you have any questions or comments. Download the free Living Truth app in your app store. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word before we go.
1: Well, you know, some people say that the Nile turning to blood may have really been red algae in the water. Eh. (laughs) Wrong. (laughs) Now, there are people who are always looking for naturalistic explanations to explain away the plagues. And while God can use natural things, He did supernatural plagues in this instance. He did turn the Nile into blood. You don't need a naturalistic explanation to explain the miracle-working God. He did 10 miraculous plagues. He did use some natural things, like we'll see uh, later on with flies, etc. But Nonetheless, he turned the Nile into blood. That's evident in the teaching that's before us. And so I wouldn't worry about trying to explain it away with red algae because the Bible tells us exactly what happened in the text. The Nile was turned to blood and there's a significant message there for the God's small g of Egypt. This is Pastor Michael Lance. Hey, you're listening to the book of Exodus right here on Walk in Truth. We're excited that you are with us. And we're excited about the God who delivered the Israelites and the God who has delivering power in our life. And that's what we want you to know, the power of God in your life, the power of the kingdom. Hey, if we can help you in any way, you can reach out to us at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. You can click on the church tab to find out more about Living Truth in Corona, where I serve as senior pastor. And Lord willing, we're going to see you right here tomorrow for more on that first plague in Egypt. God bless you. We'll see that. then.
0: And don't forget Walk in Truth is a listener supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $5 a month, or you can give a one-time gift. Visit walkintruth.com to give. And thank you. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 7, verses 14 through 24, called First Blood. I'm Mike Vassaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.